Caroline, the one and only casserole lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Hatchett, and we have Chef Alvin Kailan in the house today, and we're going to talk about his restaurants and the burger show, Costco and minivan nostalgia for all you 80s babies out there, along with the virtues of fresh coconut milk and Filipino cooking. And if you listen closely enough, you'll even get the recipe for Kailan's grandma's famous boiled dump and mixed carbonara. Hint, there's cream of mushroom soup involved. We also have a super special reading of listener-submitted casserole Mad Libs. Very serious. Thanks to everyone who participated. I promise it's going to be weird. And finally, on the table, we have sandwiches. Big, hearty, open-faced sandwiches that somehow made it into a casserole cookbook in 1961. It's going to be creamy. What's in the oven? All right, guys, we are making two sandwiches today called Hardee's in the 1961 Better Homes and Gardens casserole cookbook. Both recipes can be found on page 154 and, of course, at Cream of Caroline on Instagram. We're going to start with the Vienna egg salad sandwich. And if you thought that this was a fancy schmancy egg salad sandwich from Vienna, you're wrong. It is just an open face egg salad on a French loaf with Vienna sausages. You just chop up a can of those little weenies, throw them in the mix with egg, mayonnaise, celery, etc. Spread it on that loaf, and then you pan fry an additional can of Vienna sausages. Get them nice, toasty, brown, and hot. Put them into the egg salad. Alternate some dill pickles on top. Ooh, you have a high-class scenario to feed your favorite people. Next is the Seven League Pizza Burger. It's a breeze. I don't know what the name means. I don't know what leagues we're competing in. I don't know why there are seven of them. I have no idea. But you just combine ground beef, more tomato sauce than you think is necessary, chopped black olives and onions, Parmesan cheese and oregano, of course, salt and pepper to season. And you're gonna spread that raw mixture onto, again, a split French loaf. Don't be scared. Raw meat is okay. You're gonna broil that for 10 minutes in the oven, checking occasionally to make sure that your bread does not scorch. Mine got a little a little blackened. You know, just add some character. Uh, and after 10 minutes, that beef is gonna be completely cooked through. Remove it from the oven, and then you're going to alternate on top, kind of in a shingle pattern, slices of tomato and triangles of cheese. I use provolone, you could use American, you could use mutz. You could use cheddar, whatever makes you feel good about yourself. Uh, Put that back in the oven just to get that cheese nice and browned. Uh, Make sure it's completely melty. Pull it out. Mm. Seven League Pizza Burger. That's what's in the oven. Casseroles in the news. A dear Abby reader complained last week that too many friends and neighbors delivered casserole after her father's death. So, she dumped 17 casseroles down the garbage disposal. First of all, our condolences. Second of all, God bless your plumbing if your garbage disposal actually chewed up 17 casseroles. Dear Abby's advice, be honest. Tell guests there's no more room in the fridge and send the extra cream back with other families. And if you are those guests, bring a gift card to mourners instead of funeral potatoes. 
Our government may want to stop all South American and Mexican immigrants at the border, but it turns out that cooks in Ottawa, Illinois, want to bring the south of the border home to the U.S. of A. Via the local Times newspaper, Dorothy, Ron, and Sue, respectively, swapped recipes for enchilada pie, burritos with a hint of cumin, and south of the border casserole, the last of which contains cream of mushroom and cream of chicken soup. Aye, aye, aye. And finally, if you are a senior citizen in York, Nebraska, you're in for a treat. This Monday, just head down to the York Senior Center for a pizza burger. Cream of Caroline listeners aren't the only ones who'll be taking their casseroles in sandwich form. Kismet, I'd say so. That's your casseroles in the news. Okay. Welcome, guests. We have today Alvin Kailan, chef. Hello, chef of Egg Slut, the usual Amboy, and host of the Burger Show. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here this afternoon. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. So Alvin is here for many reasons, but one, the the theme of this episode is a sandwich is a casserole too. Wow. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to be making for you two dishes. One. Um, and they both kind of touch on your uh, touch on your specialties. Uh, so the first is a seven league pizza burger. Okay, wow. Which I'm like kind of terrified to serve you. Uh, it may be lovable and it could be disgusting. Oh I have no idea. And the second is going to be a Vienna sausage egg salad perfect, perfect. situation. Okay. Uh, and I hear I through the grapevine. You grew up with some like canned stuff, some like cream of mushroom soup and oh, yeah. spam and yes. My grandma used to make; she used to call it carbonara. Okay. But it consisted <laughs> of fettuccine noodles and cream of mushroom. That's it. That was it. It was not carbonara, <laughs> but I grew up. But as a kid, it was acceptable yeah, food some, to put on the table. Yes, yeah, someone must have given her some weird recipe. Or maybe it was from the can itself, but she would call it carbonara, and it became like her dish. My grandma is a terrible cook, by the way. Uh, her mother was the cook. Of, her, my great grandma was the okay. was the chef of the family. She taught me a lot of the Filipino recipes. But my grandmother, she was like married to a wealthy dude, and like had cooks and maids and stuff like that. So when she moved to America, she lost all of that. And then she needed to come up with a dish because in the Filip- in like the Filipino community, every time it's a party, it's an unexpected potluck. Mm-hmm. Like everyone brings stuff. You don't ask them to; they just do. And then usually it's that one thing you're really good at. And my grandma made cream of mushroom fettuccine carbonara. carbonara. <laughs> <laughs> no egg, no peas, no pancetta, none of that. And people were still into it. They still oh ate yeah, it. oh yeah. It was it was a thing, and then canned meats. I grew up with Vienna sausage, spam, Hormel chopped corned beef. Okay, very nice. Oh yeah, I had it all. I have some yeah traumatic Vienna sausage. They serve it um, in Georgia at weddings uh-huh. uh, in a sauce of like mustard and grape jelly. Whoa! Which now I just like I can't. Wow. Maybe if I revisited it, but oh my it God, traumatized me imagine? as a child. Yeah. Um, That's weird. Yeah, no. You know, I used to think what was weird. I for my I I I actually microwave them or like when I was a kid I'd microwave them or I'd throw them on a pan. I'd always have to have it have it somewhat warmed up because the idea mm-hmm. of eating it straight out of the can was like 
repulsive and I didn't want to do it. But I had classmates that would just... That pop would, it? Yeah, they would just pop them out of the can. Like gooey jelly and everything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, you're supposed to cook that. And like, you're not. It doesn't matter. But in my head, it was always like, dude, it should be somewhat warm, right? So yeah, the, so the sandwich today is going to be a mix of that. There's some chopped sausages in the okay. mixture and then okay. we're going to and then we're going to pan fry. Okay. They're remaining for garnish. I like that. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you grew up in LA or not in LA proper, but right outside mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. Which is not really casserole country in my brain. Um, well, it was enchilada country, which is I think is True. is a, is a casserole. It's probably Stouffer's lasagna. I think is considered a casserole, not really lasagna, because it's so gooey and right. Um, and I grew up with that. Okay. I grew up with a lot of commercially made food because <laughs> both my parents worked as a latchkey kid, and it was just like the rise of like the Costco era. Oh yeah, just like fill up the van. Oh yeah. What what van did your mom have? My mom had a Mazda MPV. Okay, nice. We yeah. were a Dodge Caravan, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, so I we I definitely ate. A lot of that, but my neighbors would make enchiladas. I'm from Pico Rivera, which is 20 minutes away from downtown LA. It's okay. A suburb out of East LA, and uh, it was a predominantly Mexican neighborhood, and I loved it because I got to eat tacos and ques- like one of the first things I ever cooked was quesadillas. So it's like a really cool uh, place to grow up, especially because I was Filipino. Right. <laughs> and so I am Filipino, I should say. I'm Filipino, so. It's like getting to eat other things was always fun for me because it's like from one to five is all Filipino food. Right. Plus, plus noodles with cream of mushroom soup on top. Yeah. yeah. Noodles with cream on, of on, mushroom. Honorary. Which Filipino I thought was food. Filipino at one point right. when I was younger, but then I like shocked that it was carbonara and then shocked again that it wasn't carbonara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. No, I just read a piece and uh, a writer grew up in the Philippines, thought Mm -hmm. that um, pimento cheese was Filipino. And then she had a boyfriend who took her to Nashville in the South, and she was like, what, why are all these places serving Filipino food? Yeah, seriously. I grew up with pimento cheese. My great-grandma, my grandma's mom, was like a pimento cheese freak. She would make her own. I'd be very curious to, to like, they're probably the same versions, like the same thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the, again, I guess it's because of the Navy uh, coming to the Philippines and bringing, you know, canned, like, food. She made it out of cheese spread, mm-hmm. um, pimiento, ch- uh, chopped pimiento chilies or whatever. I, I guess it was just bell peppers. Yeah. Um, and then cream cheese. Okay. And she would mix that. We're like mayonnaise folks where and, I'm from, but... Oh, yeah, or mayonnaise, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would put that in our pandesal. And eat that for breakfast. That was like our our thing. And then now that I'm in the culinary world or the last 20 years of my life, pimiento cheese has become like... Super hot. Oh, yeah. So hot. <laughs> like they're putting pimiento cheese on everything. And I was like, dude, I've been eating that my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> weird, but cool. Like it's weird that like me growing up in like a predominantly... Latino neighborhood, but also having such a strong, huge Filipino family and having something so quintessentially Southern American Mm -hmm. is, it's like a, it's a mind, it's like a mind blowing situation. Like, well, and that's really, so that's kind of a, 
has a lot to do with your food at the usual. Oh, um, yeah. I was streaming through Instagram uh -huh. and I love the way you said it and you posted it. It's American comfort food right. made by the children of immigrants. Yeah. Otherwise, if I didn't t un like if I didn't share that story, then people would come to our restaurant and go, "Man, this menu is all over the place." Right. But it's really not. It's but I mean, the food that you were just talking about was all over the place. Yeah. Right. I think in 2019, because of the way, <clears throat> dude, 10 years, 15 years ago, fusion food was a thing. I could have just slapped on a fusion title onto my restaurant, and people would understand it. But it, it, that spawned chefs creating Ameri classic American dishes with different ingredients, which is amazing. Because <laughs> huh. I, like, I like hamburgers, so I'm going to put a little ethnic twist to it and call it my own. So we, we grate tomatoes like they do in Spain, mm -hmm. and that's, that's our burger. And it's I confession, I ate one of those on Friday night. <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, it's 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 a pretty solid burger with a glass of Gamay yeah. at your award-winning wine list for your restaurant as yes. well. Yes, you know, we set out. I was I wanted my brother to be a part of this this restaurant somehow, and he was um, working in Hayden in Culver City in California, and I was like, I need to make a great wine restaurant because I'm going to be in Lolita. And there's company over there, a few blocks away in Lower East Side, there's 10 Bells. There's a bunch of great wine places around me, and I want to make an impact with a great wine program. And so I toyed it around, toyed the idea around with my brother. He's like, ah, you can't afford me. And I'm like, <laughs> bro. His hair is expensive. He yeah, has a lot of, like, you know. And I was like, okay, what if I can? Like, what would you do? Like, let's... Let's just spit fire like fifteen different kind of wines that you would have at the at the restaurant, and I, I'm kind of versed in the wine world because of my brother, so I kind of know like what would make sense with the food, and it, we just clicked. We just started going, yeah, this is what we should do. We should go natural. We should go, you know, some classic, just like hype beast. Oh my god, I can't believe this is on your wine list type of wine, and he he just took off with it and I'm like look if I can afford it you're coming and I gave I made him an offer he couldn't refuse so here we go a year later uh, and this is Anthony by the way I don't Anthony know if we've, dro if we've yeah. dropped his name yet yes Anthony <clears throat> um, and yeah now we're one of the best wine lists in, in America so I'm yeah, so proud of him yeah I'm so <laughs> proud of him and what, what he's he's turned that restaurant into it's uh, it's cool to watch <laughs> so you started in fine dining, though, so you're doing comfort yeah. food, but your real, your breakout mm -hmm. was Exlet. Yes. In L.A. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Exlet was, honestly, it was a concept based off of desperation, because I worked in fine dining for so long, and I worked for so many great chefs, and I was never given the opportunity to be more than just a junior sous chef, and... And why do you think that is? I don't know. The sisters... I, at the, there were so many people, so many talented people in the workforce. And in, in those top restaurants, you re, it's really, 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 really competitive. And I, sure, maybe if I worked for the Marriott, you know, or some type of restaurant like that, where it's least let, like not as competitive and it wasn't always in, on lists or best of stuff, maybe I would have been able to given, be given that chance, but I didn't want that. 
Right. Like I wanted to work for a great restaurant. I wanted to be the executive sous chef. But time, my window started to close. You know, as you get older, your bills. As start you get to, older, like how old were you really? I was twenty-seven. Okay. And, you know, I was living. I, I when I lived in Portland, cool. Rent was easy. So life was cheap. <clears throat> when I moved back to California, it was hard. You know, you're you're driving on the freeway for two hours a day to get to work. You know, you're paying f- almost thirty dollars in parking every single day. You're making fifteen dollars an hour, sixteen dollars an hour. And that's, the back then was a lot, which is now the minimum wage, right? <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, your rent is upwards to $2,000. And, you know, you still want to go out because in order to become a really good chef, you have to taste other people's food and you have to constantly learn. And, you know, I was walking away with like negative $300 every month, like owing my credit cards, right? Right. So I was like, you know, something has to change. I'm ready to try to do this thing. Let's, 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 I know I can't open a full scale restaurant. I don't have that much money, but I have enough money to make a food truck and I have enough to make it last for six months at the bare minimum with mm-hmm. me by myself working like cashier cooking. Even if I made $300 a day, I would make it for six months. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I did it, you know, I, I, I got the truck on a Friday and then I put a sign over the weekend. So it was a white truck with a black uh, vinyl sign that said egg slut on it. And then I hit the streets on Monday. And it was like grueling days. Oh, like, I'm sure. You know, I would wake up. I, How many is, days were you out there before the lines started? I was open seven days a week. Okay. Um, and the lines didn't start for probably the, like the maybe sixth month. It was tough. Right, right when you were about to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right when. Right, right as when you were gonna like, run out of no, money. No, really. It was like, I got a phone call. And some a chef that I used to work for was about to open a restaurant, and they wanted. They were going for gold, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to be a part of this opening team?" And I was. I strongly considered it. I, I was like, "All right, that's the end of Exla Truck. We're done." But, you know, Ruth Rachel came, and she blogged about us on her blog and it turned it turned into a tweet and that turned her tweets are so beautiful yeah it was like I was super actually poetic. i would love to remember that like yeah. original excellent tweet yeah it was and it was very poetic and the next day my followers started to jump and then next thing you know like you know eater showed up and then grub street and this and that and this and started to snowball and the next thing you know, I have a 45-minute line. That 45-minute line turned into an hour line. And it turned to the point where I couldn't do it out of a truck anymore. We tried to for a whole two years after that article came out, or that blog came out, and we had to expand. So that's now what Grand Central is now. And that was when I think I got to meet all of the good folks over at Star, Star Chefs. Chefs. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's how it all started. And how many locations? Oh my gosh, we have three internationally. We have one in, in Beirut, one in uh, Kuwait. Oh we're really? Building, yeah, we're building one in London. That. Wow. And then we have four in LA and one in Las Vegas. Okay. I mean, you are, I feel like as much of an entrepreneur as you are a Ooh. chef, I feel... I, I, a lot of chefs don't have that kind of innate 
business sense right or but you've been able to do a lot and yeah really the span of five years six years yeah, six years i mean you built obviously yeah. like you're yeah, still along time the way to get to that six the, that first year of the six but I've always been like that where I had to just hit the ground running. Everything I do is like that. I don't wait. And I feel like it's, there's a lot of planning before I take the first step. But once I take that first step, I start running. And that's like, I think that's probably why I've gotten to where I've gotten today because <clears throat> I don't take, I open, I try to open the doors. Right. <laughs> I don't wait for doors to open for me. And I think that's kind of the 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 force behind try to open doors for yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah like no, I that's great. To. I had to, I you know, because there aren't opportunities. There aren't a lot of opportunities out there in the culinary world. It's very cut and dry. It's either you're a prep cook or you're a chef. You know, it's like you work your way in between. But like, it's never like you can't really like become the chef. Like, the chef has to open another restaurant for you to become the chef. Right. And then leaving your chef is the most terrifying thing because you have to start all over again. No kitchen will just automatically give you a sous chef position just because, you know, you have a great resume. The line cooks will never respect you in that way. So you have to work your way from the bottom up and prove to the kitchen why you are who you are. And it's really, like, a a nerve-wracking thing, and that's why I had to create my own, own restaurant in on four wheels in order for people really to recognize what I'm capable of. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of been the story for everything else. Ramen. We did ramen. That was, that was an interesting situation. Um, and then I did this incubator, right? The incubator and the pop-up, right? Which is now a successful business that yeah. you help incubate. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Lhasa has become an amazing restaurant in, in L.A. They won uh, Food & Wine's Best New Restaurant of the Year for the country, which is amazing. And then, um, you know, Hal & Ray's started there. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's Looking at You started there. Again, you have to create these opportunities because in this world, unless you know a bunch of people who have tons of money, you're not going to be opening anything anywhere because it costs money now a lot of money especially when you factor rent in because every neighborhood is a hot new neighborhood right Yeah, and speaking of which you're in the middle of opening uh yeah i am in the we talked about it uh right before we came on the plumbing phase which is so exciting no one cares about the plumbing phase. people just want your food yeah exactly uh so tell us about this restaurant amboy amboy has been a project i've been working on pretty much my entire life it's amboy means american boy uh, that's what my my grandma used to call me. That's what her friends called me in the Philippines. I was never really Filipino enough to be Filipino in the Philippines, and I've never been American enough to be where I grew up to my friends where I grew up because they were all Mexican Americans. So I was always like this kid with like a weird identity, and like it kind of translates in the food that I make because I have all these weird cultural influences, whether it be Latino, whether it be. Um, French from training, yep. um, Italian, whatever I worked at as my career progressed. Plus, I'm Filipino. So this restaurant that I'm building in Nolita is in the neighborhood I live in. It's in the same neighborhood as the usual. And it's going to be a culmination of like all of my journey through food, but on a Filipino canvas. 
Okay. And what, yeah. so tell me about two dishes that you're working on that you're really excited about so I can oh. like visualize what that means. Right. So, you know, as much as lobster is a high ticket item, um, it's also very, you know, New York. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we, there's tons of lobsters here. It's like one of the first things that we ate, you know, on the Eastern seaboard was lobsters. It was super cheap. So I'm working on a lobster bunset. Ah, okay. Yeah. So one of my favorite restaurants in the whole world is this place called Newport Seafood in San Gabriel Valley, and they do this like Vietnamese-style um, lobster and noodles. Mm-hmm. And so I'm channeling that, and I'm putting it into one of my favorite Filipino dishes as a pancit, and we're also getting super amazing for lobsters from here. Okay. From New York. And is there going to be like acid? What's, is there going to be like a little oh, yeah. calamansi squeeze? Oh, yeah, calamansi all over that garlic we, we, we do yeah. like this like sofrito style um we cook down onions and garlic and we cook it down for like eight hours so it just turns into this one note mm-hmm. of allium flavor and that's kind of the base of that pasta dish or pancit and then we're gonna hit it with a little bit of like um thick soy sauce and calamansi juice so that's one of the dishes that i'm working on and my biggest project right now is fresh coconut milk. What do you mean it's a project? Are you like... I'm trying to figure out how I can make fresh coconut milk every single day. So that... Because okay. the difference in the Philippines versus the Filipino food in America is the ingredients. Right? Yeah, of course. And so when I went to the Philippines... Look, I think that the Philippine produce is great. But I think our produce here is also next level. <laughs> Yeah, of course. But the one thing that was different and what made everything in the Philippines taste so amazing was the coconut milk. And I was like, I have to make my own coconut milk. This has to be my thing. And so it's starting to it's starting to like snowball. I'm like, are you it, gonna you're gonna have to buy like equipment? Oh, everything. And like I'm I'm actually gonna go does, to somebody I know does that. I think really, there's not a lot of people who do it because it's a lot of work. I think there's. I think there's a place in Williamsburg that does oh, it. Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, just like a little... I'll have to... Anyway, if I can yeah, think cold about pressed, it. Yeah, cold-pressed coconut milk. Fresh every day. It could be bottled. Like Maybe I'll sell it. If I, if I have to produce enough, then that, maybe that would be something that you get spe- like specifically at, at Amboy. Okay. But yeah, we're building it. <laughs> I went off tangent. We're building it. It's in Nolita. Um, and instead of... A burger or fried chicken mm-hmm. that kind of international flavors are imparted mm-hmm. on. They're going to be this, the Filipino yeah. dishes that you know and love, the exactly. world knows and loves, and then you're imparting yeah. your global and, and American influence techniques. on those. Yeah. And techniques. And techniques. So, you know, like, you know, I had this amazing lechon dish from mm-hmm. Jose Andreas in Vegas, and I was, like, drilling their kitchen team. I was like, how do you make this? And they were like, oh, we have a rationale, which is a, like a crazy... Uh, combi oven. Combi oven where you could steam, crisp everything in one just and press hold. of a button. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So I'm, I, I, I love that machine. I, I have one at the usual. And I'm like, let's, let's make lechon out of a rationale. And that's something so french and or european right. <laughs> you know so we're, we're we're using crazy techniques um to make really it, it's probably gonna go undetected 
Because, well, it should. I mean, yeah. at its best, it will. Yeah. Right? So, which is fine. And I, I like, like that. I feel like Tom Cunanan's going to be jealous of your rationale of Oh, it. my gosh. He's <laughs> a, about really, a tiny yeah, kitchen. He's such a, like, he is an inspiration. His he, lechon, though. That's what triggered it yeah, for me. Is like, he's, he's the so man. on point. Yeah. I, I, I don't, like, I told him, I'm like, man, you're like, you're the, you're the dude. You're the top dog. And I don't ever want to aspire to be you because I know how much pressure it is to do what he does. And like in such a small kitchen that he has, it's insane. Yeah, I just, for me honestly, I just want to create a Filipino restaurant that when people come, they understand my culture. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just want people to hang out. Right. You know, I just want people to hang out and just have a good time. I want it to be like a, a like the neighborhood Filipino joint, but there's no such thing. <laughs> so like, yeah. it, that's that's the one speed bump is to try to create that neighborhood feel but still keep it filipino where you're like oh i've been to this great filipino place i actually frequent it because the vibe because of the food is anthony gonna do the wine he is yeah yeah he's okay. gonna do the wine um hopefully we can have like customers just in in, in filipino culture we usually just start singing it's just a, it's like a weird situation okay. where like there's always this one guy in our group who or family who will just break out in song and I can't wait for people to experience, to experience that it's gonna be so funny because every Filipino restaurant that I go to it's one of my most favorite things that happen um, is when someone just breaks out and just starts singing That's because so it's brilliant. such a, like because the, the emotions and like the energy is so wild in, in, in the Filip- like when we all get together when Filipinos get together it just turns into a party and uh, I can't wait for people to experience that because it's so Filipino and I want to I want to talk about your other all-consuming kind of project right now okay you have like uh, you're hosting a show that I think most people do, uh, dudes in America right. it's like a dream job oh my and God. for you it's just a side hustle yeah yeah no it's it's <laughs> One of many, the burger show. So. Yeah, the burger show is something that really fell on my lap. I, I love burgers. I've always loved burgers. I've always been opinionated about burgers. Um, and I did this French fry segment with uh, someone on First We Feast. And we got to talking about burgers. And then he ended up, his name is Justin Bolas. He ended up d- being able to direct his own show called The Burger Show. And he hit me up. And was like, hey, what do you think about doing this? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Whatever. If I suck, cool. Get rid of me. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'll do it because I like you and I also like burgers. And something cool to talk about. And I was also doing the burger show. Uh, I was doing Bob's Burger Pop-Up okay. in, Olita, uh, in Soho. And so that got buzz. So that like pretty much propelled me into this position. And then we filmed one episode, tested great, and now we're on our fourth season. So So how how many episodes in a season? There's six. And so how many burgers do you think you've eaten? <sighs> Enough to write a book. <laughs> or is that is that next? I don't know. I would I would love to. I'm I'm wrapping up the Amboy book. Okay. Oh fabulous. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing an Amboy book, cookbook, and it's also like uh, you know, the story of how I got to that point mm-hmm. of making Amboy. Uh but yeah, as I'm writing these recipes for the Filipino cookbook, I'm also writing all these recipes for the, the show, for the, the burger show. 
And I'm like, man, I almost have enough to just pitch a whole new book. But I have, I mean, we're talking about three or four burgers per episode. And we've done 24 episodes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of burgers. Uh, And you said it takes about a month to do a season? Yeah, it usually takes about a month. I think this particular season took the longest. Um, just because of talent and like what how how long like my co-hosts would would right. would need or whatever, um, so this one took about two and a half months to complete. Okay, and yeah. whether or not it's in the context of the show, what's the worst burger that you can remember eating in a long time? Because oh. I'm gonna feed you one, and I want this one to be worse than the you one know, I'm gonna give you. If you watch, if you're a <laughs> devout follower of the show, you'll know. If I just take one bite of it. It's probably you, can, you, ha- you wear it. Okay. I never, I never finish a burger on the show except for one, which is the Misnone burger, um, in Chelsea Market. Really? It's what a, is it? It's a, it's so it's this burger, and they they press it in a tortilla press. Okay. And then they they sear it on one side, and then they throw cheese in the middle, fold it like a taco, and then stuff it in a pita, and they serve it with this really long green chili. Where, 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 what restaurant? It's called Misnone in Ms. Chelsea Known. Market. Yeah. Um, is it? Famous Israeli chef. Okay. And, and it's that good? It, I thought it was amazing when I had and that's it. That doesn't even, it's like kind of stretching the category. Yeah, of well, this is, he said that it was, it was inspired by living in New York. It sounds, it's so yeah. New York. And so I was like, that burger I inhaled. Maybe it was because we filmed at 10 a.m. And I was really hungry. I didn't have breakfast. But that burger blew my mind. And then there was just some that, you know, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a few of those. Um, and one of them in the same episode, I mean, I, I don't really want to put them on blast, but like there was one episode where it was a deep fried burger. I wasn't really. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary. And you're a, grit, you're a proponent of the smash. In yeah. your own restaurants, at least. I love the smash burger. I think it's a really cool way of getting the pie artifact, or the Maillard effect, pie art, my artifact, and like getting it seared and beautiful and nice and Your little s- nubby bits. And yeah, crispy. Yeah. It's super good. But I also, there's also like a new method that I learned from Kenji Lopez where it's like very loosely packed. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that episode. Yeah, and then you just throw it in a cast iron and just let it get crispy. That was life-changing. That okay. burger was like, it was so weird to me. It almost wasn't even a burger. Because Just because it, it was so loose or? Because of the texture of the beef. It was like crunchy and almost aerated. It was weird. Leave it to Kenji. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> and that was what I was waiting for. I, when, we, when I saw him on like the, the season like brainstorm, I was like, oh my God, yes. this is going to be the best episode ever. <laughs> And it was for me personally. It was like highlights because I was I'm watching this dude, and you can tell Kenji's made over a thousand burgers in his life, different right. styles. And he's not doing it the way he's been taught to do it. He's like thinking yeah. through it super carefully. Yeah, and he won't put it out there unless he's actually done it a hundred times. Okay, or, you know he's he's nuts. I love it in a good way. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I want to throw anyone out there. But no, no, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. You can just was, all about the love. Yeah, but let's just say, I, yeah. Don't deep fry your burgers. Yeah, a majority of the burgers I've eaten on the show, I don't really finish. Okay. Ever, except for the Ms. Known burger and Kenji's. Was, 
If Kenji, if Kenji didn't serve us such a great family meal before we filmed that show, I probably would have ate the whole thing. Oh, no, I can't tell you the worst burger because I absolutely hated it. And it was a, ro- a burger made by a robot. Oh, I in, saw that one too. Yeah, in San yeah, Francisco. Yeah. That was the worst burger I've had on the show. See, and, okay, because that was just in my first exploration of the show, so I couldn't tell that you hated it. Yeah, I didn't like it, and I couldn't say I, I didn't like it on the show. Okay. Because they had their PR people all over the place. So don't fry your burger. Don't let robots make your burgers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then don't put gold flake in your burger either. No. Because that's, that's not good that's either. A, that's such a waste it's of It's just like... not an element of flavor that you don't want. That no. you want in your food. You don't want gold flake on anything. Well, I will I will hide my gold flake that I was <laughs> yeah, going no. to put on top yeah. of your Vienna sausages today. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, those are, those are like the the ones that I'm like not a big fan of. Everything else is either just okay or exceptional. Okay. Yeah. I let's I think let's end on a high note. Um, okay. yeah. we're going to we're going to transition now though and I'm going to I'm going to feed you. Let's do this. Okay. A, a I can't really wait. scary <laughs> seven league pizza burger. But wow. thank you. So much for coming over today. Anytime. And chilling in my warm house with no air conditioning, folks, because the air conditioning affects the sound quality of this podcast. Yes, yes there's many sacrifices. All to the make things this that we're doing. Um, and I cannot wait for Amboy. It's opening oh. fall yes. 2019. Yes. The and book comes out March 2020. What's, who's your publisher? Uh, Huffton Mifflin. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Yeah, very intense. Very nice. Very intense. And who's yeah. doing your photography? Uh, Wyatt Collin. Okay. He's, Fabulous. he's my guy. He's been doing my stuff for years. So uh, it's going to be a throwback cookbook. It's not going to be any of the new style stuff. It's definitely one of those ones where like 10, 15 years ago you would read and go, holy crap. <laughs> so I did not, honestly, I might have said too much on that in that book. It was almost like therapy for me. And I wrote a lot. But of But you're going to get paid for your therapy. Yeah, yeah. That I wrote works. a lot of it myself. Uh, I teamed up with Ali Cuerdo, who who uh, directed uh, Ulam, the Filipino mm-hmm. do- food documentary. I teamed up with her. She helped me out, and I mean, whoa, you guys! I can't wait for people to read it and they'll understand, like, you know, why Excellent is what it is, mm-hmm. and why I'm in New York and all We're of that. So stuff. happy to have you here. Okay, all right, let's, are you ready to eat? Yeah, let's do this. All right, let's do it. All right, cool. Before we get to lunch, I want to take a second and bring you Casserole Mad Libs. I put it out there on Instagram and uh, got some interesting responses from the public. Thank you. I was going to have a small child or perhaps my grandmother do the reading uh, to be charming. However, due to the nature of the content, I have asked Karen, a Google text-to-voice app, Take it away, Karen. Casserole Madlibs, a sandwich is a casserole, too. Not suitable for young or easily offended listeners. By Sean Cankle Kenneth. Jules and Alaska Thunderfuck were coming over for dinner in just a few hours, and I had no idea what to make. Hum, I thought, I just heard that furry episode of Cream of Carolyn. I'll make a sandwich casserole, just like that steamy podcast host. I peered into my fridge and pulled out lima taint and sweaty duck testicles, chopped them up, and combined them with Duke's mayonnaise, only the best, and a hammer. I spread the smushy mixture onto a half a loaf of French bread, popped it in the oven for 20 minutes, et voila. Dinner was absolutely slimy. 
Thanks, Cream of Carolyn. My body slam in Becky Cozzle. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Chero were coming over for dinner in just a few hours, and I had no idea what to make. Hum, I thought, I just heard that crusty episode of Cream of Carolyn. I'll make a sandwich casserole, just like that Harry podcast host. I peered into my fridge and pulled out Mongus Butt and Unchristian Spam, chopped them up, and combined them with Duke's mayonnaise, only the best, and a merkin. I spread the slimy mixture onto a half a loaf of French bread, popped it in the oven for 20 minutes, et voila. Dinner was absolutely old AF. Thanks, Cream of Carolyn. By Lisa Elbert Macaroni. By Lisa Elbert Macaroni. By Lisa Elbert Macaroni. By Lisa Elbert Macaroni. Uh, experiencing some technical difficulties here. Hold, please. By Lisa Elbert Macaroni. Larry and Sean Kenneth were coming over for dinner in just a few hours, and I had no idea what to make. Hum, I thought, I just heard that squishy episode of Cream of Carolyn. I'll make a sandwich casserole, just like that sweaty podcast host. I peered into my fridge and pulled out horse thigh and chubby baby carrots, chopped them up, and combined them with Duke's mayonnaise, only the best, and baby oil. I spread the moist mixture onto half a loaf of French bread, popped it in the oven for 20 minutes, et voila. Dinner was absolutely stinky. Thanks, Cream of Carolyn. Lunch is served. All right. Okay, so let's let's start because of the contrast. I think in temperature we might lose. Let's do the egg salad sandwich. Okay, first. let's do it. So, uh, bell pepper, celery, eggs, mayo. I put a little hot sauce because I need that in everything. Yeah, me. And and, and Vienna sausage. Vienna sausage. And Vienna sausage. Pickles. Uh huh. Mmm. It's now okay. all over album. It's all over my shirt. The bread is fantastic. I like how I like egg salad with uh, no toast on the bread. I love it like that. I'm good. I'm a little concerned. Mm-hmm. And I can taste like the the Vienna sausage. That wow, the, uh, the celery is key on this. Super good. Did you I, put, was, I was really surprised actually when I took the first bite of it. Mm-hmm. That the spice notes from that sounds so obnoxious. The spice notes from uh-huh. the Vienna sausage, but no, but they're actually kind of. It's kind of nice with the eggs. Yeah, it's adding complexity that I never knew could exist in egg salad before. What I like about Vienna sausage is the nutmeggy mm-hmm. flavor of it. But I like when I make egg salad, I, I almost like just mash it with a fork. Okay. Uh, I love. We this. chop. We chop with big chunks. You do not have to finish it either. Oh no, I will. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's super good. Are you working the line tonight? Mm-hmm. There's such staff. Okay. It's the beginning of summer, so all my staff who are not from New York are going back home to visit their family for a week uh, or two. Okay. And I'm going to Puerto Rico on Sunday, so Yeah. I, what are you doing in Puerto Rico? My best friend is getting married. And the beaches are going to be beautiful, mm-hmm. and you're just going to enjoy oh, So, I have this guilt, and I don't want to leave the kitchen. I don't want to take any days off until I have to leave. So, okay. I'm that guy, where it's like... But then you can just go and, like, relax. Well, yeah, because then they can't go, oh, but you're, you're going to Puerto Rico. And I'm like, yeah, but I've also been here for two weeks straight. Yeah. Every day, all day long. All right, let's do this. Let's do the pizza burger. I'm so excited. It's so good. So, yeah, again, probably not the technique. Just ground beef broiled. Mm. Just a little, a little freaky deaky. Yes. Is this provolone? 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. It's not terrible, right? No. Look. <laughs> that tastes like a pizza. <laughs> and like I said before, I was a Costco kid. Okay. And my mom used to buy French bread pizza. Mm-hmm. Frozen French bread pizza. And I'm getting throwbacks of that right now. Beautiful. That's the whole damn point. <laughs> wow. But, but not a burger. No. No. Okay. That's more of a pizza. And, and I'm probably going to get slapped by every pizza purist out there. But... No, this is a Costco pizza. That's a Costco pizza. And the fresh tomato is so key. Oh, thank you. Because it cuts through all of that. <laughs> it's so good. Team casserole, that is a wrap. And I'll have you know, the Seven League Pizza Burger was so good that Mr. Kylon took the leftovers with him. Thanks for listening. Alvin, thanks for letting me feed you wherever you are in the world. Keep it creamy.